This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Good morning to you. Welcome in on WGNS Action Line. Local attorney John Day is with us on this beautiful holiday morning. It just looks like Christmas outside. John, good morning to you. Good morning, Bart. Good to have you with us Thank on this you. beautiful day. Thank you very much. Uh, well, tell us, uh, how are the courts doing? Uh, are the, I know they're challenged, as always. Well, we're extremely uh, challenged. Uh, the uh, Chief Justice has put down an order to all judges across the state that basically has shut down jury trials through the end of January. Now, given uh, what is happening right now and what everybody predicts is happening, my guess is that order will be extended sometime until the end of February or the end of March. And that has uh, an impact on people that they may not think about. So we tend to think about, right, as, as human beings, how things affect us. So if you don't have a case in the court system right now, eh, maybe it's not that big a deal uh, to you until you start thinking about it. Uh, No trials means that uh, people who get hurt and people who get sued, both of whom are experiencing stress as a result of that, uh, do not get the, the opportunity to get that case behind them. It means people who have been charged with a crime may be sitting in jail. It means people who were crime victims don't get closure of the uh, of what has happened to them and their family. Uh, let me tell you, give you an example of how bad it is. Texas has done a really, really good job keeping up with statistics of what's happening across the state. And I spoke to the Texas Supreme Court and its advisory commission last Friday afternoon about this very issue. I uh, said on that uh, program that, in my opinion, Texas would be 15,000 jury trials behind as of September 1, 2021. Wow. They have an average of 189 trials, jury trials, every single week in Texas. And since March 15th, they have had less than 100. So I said, uh, Mr. Chief Justice, I said, the way I see it, the way, and, you know, obviously nobody knows uh, how long it's going to take for people to get vaccinated, how many people will get vaccinated, will a sufficient percentage get vaccinated for us to achieve herd immunity. Nobody knows that yet. But what, what, I, I, what makes sense to me, given the fact that most states are projecting that healthy people under the age of 65 will not be receiving vaccines until, unless you're a healthcare provider or other first responder, will not be getting vaccines until May-ish. And just thinking about the logistics of delivering two doses of vaccines to that many people under the age of 65, I don't see us returning to normalcy until September 1. 
For Texas, that means 15,000 trials behind schedule. In Tennessee, it's not that many, but I'm going to say it'll be 1,500 or 2,000 behind schedule. That's a mess. So for people here in Tennessee, and I'm hearing that uh, some of our judges here in, in Rutherford County have contracted COVID-19. Some of the other officials in the courts have been exposed, and they have COVID-19 now. So this is spreading still. Well, it could, yes, it continues to spread, and it, it impacts. It's like anything else. Uh, we don't necessarily pay as close attention to things until it impacts ourselves or our immediate family or people we are close to. More and more people are now seeing the impact of the coronavirus in their circle, as it were. We're not looking at numbers on a piece of paper anymore. We're looking at human beings. And with regard to the judicial system, we had some opening up with regard to trials in the summer and fall of 2020. But then in some of those trials, some bad things happened and they started to shut down again. So example, once again in Texas, 15 different people involved in one trial got sick. Now think of that, 15. So you got the litigants themselves, you got the the attorneys involved in the case, you got the court officials, and you have a jury of 12 plus one or two alternates. 15 got sick. That trial had to be shut down. So, yes, uh, we're going to continue to see the impact. It's going to affect the court system. It's going to affect the populace because if you're already in the judicial system as either a, par- a participant or a victim of a crime or whatever, your case is going to be delayed. But it's going to delay cases on into 22, uh, 2023 because the pipeline of justice is only so big around. You can only put so much stuff through it. And as I've said on this program before, the people of Rutherford County can be proud of their courthouse. It's a beautiful facility. It's almost like it was built with social distancing in mind with the big courtrooms. It's different than a lot of places and different than the the last two courthouses in the county. Uh, But there's only so many people who work there. It's like hospitals. Right. Right. right? We've got hospital beds, although we're running out of those now. But there's only so many nurses and so many doctors. Well, there's only so many judges. Uh, There's only so many court officers that we can shove through the pipeline to get justice. And we're going to see a a long-lasting effect. We have a text here from a listener who says they were involved in an automobile accident about three weeks ago. And uh, they are working their way through getting the repairs and things of that sort. Fortunately, it was not their fault. And so they're wondering uh, if this has to go to court, what's going to happen? Can they still get their car repaired? Yes. I mean, if, if the person has insurance of their own, they can work through their own insurance company to get the car repaired. Uh, one problem with that is most of us who have what we call uh, we call property damage insurance on our car, uh, you have to pay. You have a deductible on it, and it's two hundred fifty or five hundred dollars or whatever you thought made sense at the time you purchased your insurance. 
So if you have your own insurance company do the work, then you are going to have to come out of pocket for the deductible. Then your insurance company will go after the at-fault driver's insurance company, assuming they have insurance, and work out a resolution of that case. And if it works out uh, in favor of you, the person whose car was damaged, then your insurance company will get your deductible back as well as the amount they paid. You can also work with the at-fault driver's insurance company. If they accept liability, they may offer to repair your car, provide you with a rental car in the meantime, and get your car back to you. So court may or may not be necessary in that case, depending on how clear the fault uh, determination is, number one, and number two, whether an agreement can be reached on the nature and extent of repairs to the car. Here's a text, I I think, from a different listener, but I'm not sure, but it's also involving an automobile accident. They said, just recently I was in an automobile accident. An elderly person hit the rear of my car, and I spun around several times. I don't think I was hurt, but now a day later, my back is killing me. What do I need to do, or what should I not do? Well... It is not uncommon for people who are in a motor vehicle wreck not to experience any particular symptom at the scene of the wreck. And I'm no doctor, but my gut tells me in conversations with doctors over the years tell me that that's as a result of the stress and the flow of adrenaline. Uh, And just the fact the way this type of injury works, what happens is your muscles are stretched and... um, you may not feel it until they have the opportunity to start retracting and therefore causing pain. So uh, the advice I would give this caller is to contact their primary care doctor and to go in and see and get checked out to make sure everything is all right and then follow that doctor's advice. They may prescribe a a minor pain medicine. They may prescribe uh, a muscle relaxant. They may say try one or both of those for a week and come back and see me and if you're still having problems what I will probably do for you is order physical therapy so that's I I would recommend see your primary care physician and talk with them under your car insurance policy you probably have what's called a medical payments coverage which means that your car insurance on your car will pay up to five or 10000 depending on what the limit is on your policy, worth of medical bills for you if you're involved in a wreck. So use your health insurance if you have it, but if you don't have your health insurance, that money there is available to you to help pay for those medical bills. All right. Uh, different question here. This is a total different direction as whenever we take text from listeners and we go all different directions. I love that. (laughs) This person says that they have a home that they rent uh, and the person who is renting has not been paying the rent. And a while back that law says they can't be evicted, but uh, this was set to go to court to sue them for the back rent that they owe. Uh, What's going to happen now? What can they do? Well, there is, it sounds like they're still, the person's still in the house, too. Yeah, there, I, I, will, I will be the first to admit that I know absolutely nothing about landlord-tenant law. 
Uh, I do know that when the federal government passed the CARES Act uh, back in April, I guess it was, it restricted the ability of landlords to have people removed from the premises who weren't paying rent. Uh, the um, That is uh, ex- it either expired or is in the process of expiring right now. I know from conversations with uh, lawyers and judges. And so now you can get a court date and get people removed. Those type of court dates are not being affected by the pandemic. In other words, those non-jury matters are still going forward. They look different than they used to. Uh, You have less people in the courtroom. People are wearing masks. But the courts are open to those kind of cases. So my my guess is, once again saying I know absolutely nothing about landlord-tenant law, is that the court can still work to uh, protect the rights of landlords and tenants during this period. Okay. They're not totally shut down right now. Here's a text concerning a divorce proceeding and also child custody. And they said that uh, they are in the process of getting a divorce and dividing up the property and also regaining, or rather uh, doing some work with the custody of their children. They have three children. Uh, will those proceedings be hampered by the courts? Because they do go through the courts, it says. They may be slowed down a little bit, but once again, the courts are still hearing that type of case. So that is, that, that is a non-jury matter. Uh, usually in domestic relations cases and divorce cases, the courts don't get involved if people can reach an agreement on how to divide assets and how to properly provide for the children's uh, welfare. Uh, the court gets involved at the very end to a review and, if it's appropriate, approve any sort of agreement on the division of assets and child-related matters. Uh, and the, the court enters a quotation marks judgment, close quotation marks, that is, they approve a, a what's called a marital dissolution agreement and a... Uh, parenting plan for the children that sets forth child support and everything else but that is a non-jury hearing and those type of proceedings are still going forward okay well let's let's look at some of these other issues that uh, seems like a lot of interest in automobile accidents and things of this sort if you are involved in an auto accident uh, including one with some of these big uh, tractor trailer trucks uh, are those going to be slowed dramatically due to the court proceedings? They are going to be slowed dramatically if the only way to fairly resolve that case is through the use of a trial. So in the last 10 months, our law firm has only had one jury trial. That is unusual we would have had four or five during that period in the ordinary course. We've had one. Many lawyers haven't had any jury trials. So think about, and this is, I explained this to the Texas Supreme Court last Friday and got a chuckle out of their chief justice. There is uh, two types of judgments. There's a judgment that the uh, courts enter and there's the ultimate judgment uh, when you pass away. 
the Judgment Day with a capital J, right? Right, absolutely. <laughs> judgment days in court and at the end of life tend to draw one's focus <laughs> of what they should be doing and whether how they should act, right? Right. And so the small judgment in the courthouse, a judgment day is a certain trial date where things are likely to go forward. It makes both the person bringing the lawsuit the person defending the lawsuit, the insurance company for the person uh, who's being sued. Everybody has a focus about what they should do because they know judgment day is coming. That's the problem when we can't have trials because we don't have judgment day and people don't get focused. So is it affecting cases? It's affecting some, the cases that we can't work out or when people think, that, well, we can put this off for a year or two so we don't have to pay any attention to it right now. That's the current impact. Now, with the one that you did have, the one judgment uh, in which S- small, was... Yes, the how, small how did that? How did that come through? How did, uh, how did they enable that one to happen when the others cannot have one? Well, because the court system did open up the jury trial window uh, in the fall. Uh, for courts that wanted to go forward with a jury trial and who thought they could uh, do one safely. Rutherford County's had several jury trials uh, during the pandemic. Williamson County has had several. The case I'm talking about took place in Williamson County, and the court adopted a plan to safely have a jury trial. There were masks and social distancing and lots of things done to keep people safe, and there was no adverse effects from it. The Supreme Court, uh, right after that trial, determined that there was no safe way to have jury trials in the state of Tennessee. Or if there it was a safe way, it would command so many resources that it didn't make sense So they, because of the increase in the number of cases. So what they said is all jury trials are off between now and the end of January. So it doesn't matter how big the courtroom is, what you do to prevent this? Or Not it's, right it's now. Unless you get special permission, you're out of court. You're, you're on hold. So here's a, here's a classic example. In uh, 2019, uh, we, had, we asked for a trial date in a, a medical negligence case and had it set for trial in October of 2020. Because of COVID-19, that case could not go forward. We now have a trial date in October of 2021. Mm. That's a widow and five children who are waiting for judgment. It's also the healthcare professionals that we filed a lawsuit against who are waiting for judgment day. So we just have to wait and that's going to happen again and again and again over the next couple of years because as i explained earlier that pipeline is only so big now out of curiosity on a case like that uh the the person is a widow they lost uh, their spouse and possibly the income stream stopped definitely the income stream yes sir and and so maybe they have uh rent maybe they have a mortgage to pay they certainly have cost of living expenses uh what happens when those start backing up 
and the home is about to be, say, repossessed or uh, whatever happens, and, and they start getting lawsuits. It just looks like one problem could create another one and another one and another one. That's exactly what happens to people. I mean, and that is why I and many, many lawyers and many, many judges are always looking for ways to speed up the judicial process so that people don't suffer collateral damage as a result of being in the system too long. Uh, But no, people do who are waiting for a trial do lose their homes. They do get sued for non-payment of rent. Uh, What we do for our clients in those situations is we write to people who want to sue our clients for non-payment of certain bills, and we say, will you please wait until this case is over with, and we will work with you to pay you out of the proceeds of the case to bring you up to date. And sometimes we're able to convince people just to wait. Uh, Sometimes we're not. Um, And unfortunately, I've had clients who have lost their home while they were waiting for a trial. I've had clients who've been sued for medical bills. Uh, It's horrible, but it is is just... Right now, I've got a gentleman who's a a 35-year-old quadriplegic laying in bed. Lost everything, okay? Lost everything. And he is waiting for a trial. And I don't know when I can tell him I can get him one. So a lot of people are really being hurt more than we think. This, these are new directions of being hurt. Oh, no, th- th- that's exactly right. This is, this is part of the impacts of COVID's, uh, the impact of COVID on the judicial system that people don't think about unless they're in it. And when I, it sounds like I'm being critical when I say that. I don't expect people to think about stuff like that. Everybody's got enough to worry about, right? <laughs> I mean, but Practically speaking, yes, this is what happens when you have a pandemic that is wreaking havoc with our way of life. It impacts things in an unintended way. Think of the healthcare system. I talked to a nurse last night who's from Kentucky, right across the border. Her hospital is a very, very small hospital. They're getting patients brought in from other hospitals because those hospitals are full. So in the small rural hospitals, my joke, and it's not a very nice joke, is that those are the hospitals where the the helicopters fly out with patients, not fly in with patients, right? They're not designed to take care of the sickest of the sick. Today, they're being asked to take care of very, very sick people and the bigger hospitals are sending sick, sick people with COVID into the smaller hospitals. So that's there's no beds. So think of the consequence there. For that, first of all, you've got nurses who aren't trained. Maybe they were trained, but they don't experience every single day the challenges of taking care of people who are really, really sick, or of using the equipment for people who are really, really sick. That impacts how they feel going to work. (laughs) It impacts how they feel during work. It impacts how they feel at the end of the day. And it looks like this would escalate the number of lawsuits because of the damage that acts like that are doing. I mean, 
people are going to get sicker uh, by going to uh, facilities that can't take care of them. They're going to pass away. There will be lawsuits filed, and, and the problem will quadruple. Well, in Tennessee, the legislature has made it virtually impossible for a family member who lost a loved one from COVID-19 to sue a health care provider for making a mistake. So they are basically been immunized from those lawsuits. It requires extraordinary level of proof to prove that those health care uh, providers did not handle COVID-19 situations appropriately. We will not accept a case in our office where somebody says a health care provider mistreated my COVID-19 patient because they've made it so difficult that we don't think the cases can be won. So that unintended consequence of or unforeseen confidence of COVID-19 was foreseen and the legislature and the governor have blocked those lawsuits. Well, I'm, I was not thinking about the health care providers because I think they're doing all that they possibly can given what they have today. But I was thinking about other situations, uh, back to the mortgages, back oh. to all of these things. It'll just mount up to be a, a, a nightmare. It, it 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 will mount up to be a nightmare, and it's already a nightmare for millions of people. Our yes. phone number is 615-893-1450. If you have a question, if you have a thought you want to share, uh, text it to us, 615-893-1450. Local attorney John Day is with us this morning. We'll be right back. We're loud, we're proud, we're blue. WGNS AM and FM, your home for the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. When it's getting cold outside and you don't want to really get out of your car, Demas's has now started a curbside service. So you can order online, put your make and model of your car into the website, and when the food is ready, we will bring it out to your car, and therefore you can still be in your pajamas and come and get lunch and go back to your home if you want to. Curbside service. It's just another level of service of which we are trying to provide the residents of Murfreesboro. Visit us online at demasrestaurants.com. This is David Kivenemi from Music World and Drummer's Den. Come in, take a look at the incredible display of instruments we have. Guitars, drums, keyboards, PA systems, just about anything you can think of for that musician in the family who maybe needs something a little special for Christmas this year. Come on by and see us at Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church in Murfreesboro, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. Come to downtown Murfreesboro and Holden Hardware to shop for Christmas. Shop our selection of knives, including German-made Boker pocket knives. And for the hopeful children of all ages, we carry a wide variety of sleds. We carry the round disc to the 48 and 66-inch plastic toboggans. We also have a few different ones in between. We may even have the old-fashioned wood and metal sleds. This is Raleigh Holden, Jr. Come downtown and shop for Christmas at Holden Hardware. 
Good morning. Traffic's been in pretty good shape for the most part out here as far as really bad wrecks on 24, especially as you head towards Nashville. There was a couple of stalled vehicles earlier on 24, just up from 840. Traffic's still holding up right now. 41 inbound Murfreesboro Pike. Hey, sleep with the sharks in a grown-up atmosphere at Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies. December 26, all the details at Ripley's Aquarium of the Smokies.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon, high in the mid-60s. Winds out of the south at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, low near 37. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 33. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. Money issues? There's someone local you can talk to. Financial Coaching Radio with certified financial planner Jason Qualls. Weekdays at 4 on News Radio WGNS. Welcome back. John Day is with us. We're talking about legal issues this morning. And so many things have happened during this pandemic that we're all experiencing that uh, I think a lot of the things that we are seeing happening probably will stay with us, uh, may have pushed us into some good areas. Uh, one of those I'm, I'm curious about is remote video. Everything is virtual these days. <laughs> that's right. In, uh, in many ways, that's a good thing. Uh, let me explain historically what would happen, for instance, in the average civil case, like a car wreck case or a, a family law matter. If if the case was already in court and the lawyers had a dispute about something and needed to bring that dispute to before the judge to have it resolved, they would file what's called a motion, a piece of paper that asked the court to do something, and they would file papers in support of that motion, and then the other side, the person who had to respond to the motion, would file papers, and then they'd have a hearing, and that hearing would take place in court on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever it was, at 9 o'clock. And all the lawyers who had problems they needed the judge to resolve would show up at 9 o'clock on that day and have the judge resolve the dispute. And that may be two folks or 10 folks or 20 folks or 30 folks, uh, depending on how many disputes there were. And everybody would have to sit and wait their turn to speak to the judge and let the judge make up his or her mind about what should happen next. So look at the cost associated with that. Lawyers would have to not only drive to the courthouse, they would have to sometimes pay to park. They would want to be there on time, so they would be there early. Then they would have to sit and wait their turn. I've waited as much as six hours. Not because the judge was doing anything wrong or anybody was doing anything wrong. It's just that that's how we move cases through the pipeline before 2020. Today, most judges are doing that by appointments on a Zoom video. So you will do file all the same paperwork, and all that paperwork will go to the judge for consideration. But the judge will have virtual hearings. And they will have somebody at 9 and somebody at 9.30 and somebody at 10. And they will just line you up. And there will be a court administrative person who puts everybody in the same place at the same time. Think of the money that saves. 
for clients, all right? Think of the time it saves for lawyers. Think of how it works for judges. They can do it from home if they need to. Uh, many of the judges here, Rutherford County is a little bit different, of course, because the judges in this county only hear cases here and in Cannon County. Their drive is uh, short. In Williamson County, uh, the judges uh, used to have to go all the way over to Perry County, 90 miles, 100 miles away. So our judges, you know, some of our best legal minds, were spending three hours in the car every day. That's not that's not efficient. A waste of time. It's a waste of time. Yeah. So today, that can be accomplished by Zoom video. And uh, lawyers didn't particularly like it. I'm sure there were judges who didn't particularly like it. But now, because we've been forced to do this for basically 10 months, it, it, in my, my judgment, I don't see it going away. It's a positive. It's come out of this. I think it's largely a positive. There's one negative that nobody's talking about yet. And here's the negative. You and I dealing with one another, let's say you're a lawyer who represents a party that's adverse to my client. Um, if we deal with each other only over the phone or only over remote video, we don't develop the same type of rapport that we have when we walk into the courthouse together and talk about the case. Or how can we get this resolved in the best interest of our clients? So you lose that personal interaction between lawyers that usually, sometimes it's not a good interaction, okay? But usually that personal interaction works to the benefit of clients uh, because the lawyers work together to try to figure out something that will work for both parties. I worry, and one of the unintended consequences of Zoom hearings, is you don't have that interaction with the lawyers. It'll be interesting to see how that turns out. It right? will be very interesting. I, I, I don't think it's good, uh, but I... I I don't know how bad it's going to be or what, how will it will impact the process. I just don't know. I also worry a little bit, quite frankly, about our judges in that situation because being a judge is an isolating thing. Uh, when you think about it, right, you've got people from this community who are being asked to resolve disputes among people in the community with lawyers from the community, usually or close by. At the end of every dispute, there's going to be somebody who's disappointed, maybe even angry. There may be two people or more who are disappointed and angry. And you've got to, but you're, that's the judge. That's part of the job. Your job is to listen to the facts and determine what the right outcome should be, right, according to the law. Well, judges have always worried about making it appear that they're too close to certain people or too close to certain lawyers that they can't be independent. And if they think they're too close, they have to recuse themselves from the case. They can't hear it. But now if judges are only seeing lawyers by video, they're not having that interaction with lawyers that helps keep them sane, quite frankly. <laughs> You know what I mean? Right, that, absolutely. That, so if you talk to a United States District Court federal judge, 
uh, they will describe it as a very lonely job because they don't get to interact with people. Uh, I'll give you an example. One of our federal judges who I've known for uh, almost 40 years, uh, I heard through a, a mutual friend that this judge was going to go to a concert. And our mutual friend was going to go to the concert. And I was going to go to the concert. And the mutual friend said, why don't we all meet for dinner before the concert? And then we can walk across the street to the Coliseum in Nashville and go to the concert. I said, that sounds great. The judge refused to go because, the judge said, John Day appears in my court and I don't think it would look appropriate for me to have dinner with him. See how isolating that is? So at least then she got that judge got to see me when I was in court. <laughs> okay? If we're just appearing by video, it's not quite the same. It's I think it's risk more isolation for judges. We have one more question here that Great. we just got this. Uh where do you go to get a postponement done and how much does it cost? You go to the court where the case is pending, and you have to file a piece of paper, usually, it depends on what court you're in, and ask the judge to postpone a hearing. So in in the general sessions court, it's a little bit easier. They have a local procedure about how to request a postponement of the trial. In the circuit courts or the chancery courts, that is, I'm going to call it the 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 cases uh, that are usually larger in size, you have a process to file, to file a piece of paper with the court, a motion, and ask for a continuance or an extension of time to respond. So the, the whoever the caller is who's trying to get a postponement should check with the court clerk and ask them for a copy of the rules applicable to that court, and the clerk will give them the rules. The clerk can't give them legal advice, but the, co- the clerk will make the rules accessible to them so they can ask for uh, a, a continuance of a trial date or a hearing date. There's a process for that. And on that note, we want to say a special thank you to John Day for joining us this well, morning. Thank you for having me, Bart. I enjoyed it very much. Local attorney John Day visiting with us this morning, answering your questions about legal issues. And certainly we've covered the waterfront this morning. But again, you mentioned... Courts will be closed, no jury trials. Uh, the juries will not have, they won't happen. No jury trials until uh, February 1st at the earliest. Uh, other court proceedings will be going forward. Very good. John, thank you again for joining us. Thank you, sir. Truman Jones, right after a look at the news on WGNS Murfreesboro. CBS Radio News. Swelling, you may have some fever or a headache, some muscle aches, uh, fatigue, things like that. They tend to be transient. They go away in a couple of days and then uh, off you go. The U.K. has reported.